The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. January 10th, 2007, we're back. I know I've missed you guys. It's been over a month now since we did the last podcast, and um, we've had a lot go on. I hope everybody had a great holiday season, a good Christmas, and they're back and refreshed and have all those New Year's resolutions working for them. Um, on that do- token, let me tell you that note about what we're doing today. We are actually going to talk about what to learn from 2006 and how we can apply that to 2007 to make money. We are going to do some pontificating about what's going to happen in 2007 with the economy as well as your investment assets, but then we're also going to get into how each of the asset classes did last year because I think there's a lot to learn from what happened in 2006. Before we go into the financial chaos topic, because remember the whole purpose of the Money Guy podcast for all the new listeners that have jumped on and got brand new iPods for Christmas is that we are here to restore order to your financial chaos. We are into our second year. That is right. We have passed our first year anniversary of doing the podcast show, and it has been extremely more successful than I ever could have realized, and I have thoroughly enjoyed being and bringing these topics and financial chaos topics to you to better your financial life, to help you make better decisions. Because remember, the best type of client and investment person is a person that's educated and understands what all their options are, and that's what we're here to do for you. I wanted to get into, before we got into the financial chaos topic, everybody's probably got New Year's resolutions. And one of the things that I bought for my wife for Christmas, because I bought her, I have the iPod video that I've had now for, you know, over a year, and I've really loved the thing. It's um, become really one of my best tools and life-changing events things, because what it is done next to Netflix and pay trust and my bill pay services, my iPod goes with me everywhere. When I get in the car, I have, you know, when I, in my car, I have a CD changer built into the dash. I have never used the CD changer because since I have an iPod, why would you want a six disc CD changer when I literally have thousands and thousands of songs tied right into my iPod? So it's changed my life. So I wanted my wife to jump in to this new revolution of, and get into the iPod generation. So I bought her um, one of those bright pink second-generation iPod Nanos. Um, she loves it, and I also got her to go with it because I'm a gadget guy, and I think she would have had no desire to buy this, but I couldn't help myself. I bought her one of those Nike iPod sports kits, and I have put this thing to use. I love this thing because me and my wife are able to share her iPod Nano because, unfortunately, these things do not work with the video iPods. So don't go waste your money. You'll, if you go spend the $30 on these um, Nike iPod sports kits, they will not work with the video iPods or the older iPods. They're only set up for the flash drive memory-type iPods, which are the Nanos. So, But if you have a Nano, these things are tremendous for 30 bucks because you can go register on the Nike website, 
And then every time you do a run, it uploads your information up there to let you set goals, also to see how your pace has been. It also graphs how you sped up and slowed down throughout the whole workout, and it's incredible. And they um, they even make um, holders that will hold. You don't have to go buy the expensive Nike shoes either. That's a big fallacy out there. They make some holders. Um, and I'm going to put some links on the on the Money Guy website. It's money-guy.com website so that you can go buy those items directly from the Money Guy store because I think that much of it, and we're buying that through Amazon. I also am a big fan of um, they have some sports music that you can download that's actually workouts where you have like a coach that comes in and gives you advice on how to do the treadmill and how to speed up, slow down. And um, they have a good one. I looked at them all, and the only one I really liked because of the mix of music was OK Go. Those, those are the guys that did the treadmill video that was so popular last year. They have a workout, a, a master the treadmill workout that you can download off iTunes that is very good. What it does is it gives you a 30-minute workout, plus it has the actual songs individually that you can listen to outside of the workout so you don't feel like you're just wasting your money and throwing it down a black hole. Um, if you want the free option, I've got, um, I'm going to give a plug for another podcast that's out there that's tremendous. It's the Podrunner podcast. You can get that from iTunes as well, and that's run by DJ Steve Boy. Um, really think that's a great show. I have it. I'm actually a subscriber to it. It's a great thing. You can, he does it by beats per minute or beats per second. I can't remember. I'm not a music guy, but, um, it really is tremendous because you can figure out where your stride falls in that and, um, go subscribe to it and get it for free, which is, um, a nice thing you see in this day and time since everything seems like it costs money. But jumping right into the financial chaos topic, let's talk about what happened in 2006. You know, really, 2006 was a tremendous, tremendous year. In 2006, the domestic stock markets were on fire. Let's talk about um, the thing that was very interesting about that, though, was that actually the first part of 2006 was pretty flat, as everyone really tried to figure out what the Federal Reserve was going to do with interest rates. So we didn't see much happening in the first and second quarter of 2006. However, the second half of 2006 was El Fuego. I mean, it was truly on fire for all my Spanish Challenge listeners out there. The Fed decided to take a break with interest rates. Let's talk about you know all the other things that happened in addition to the Fed taking a break on interest rates. It was like the perfect storm. We had oil prices finally drop. Everybody and their brother decided it was a good time to go merge with other businesses out there. Corporate profits were better than anticipated. Unemployment was lower than expected. And then... Of course, because of the Fed's decision, interest rates started to come down and ease. All this was the perfect mix of giving us that, that optimism out there as well as the lower inflationary news that allowed, you know, really the people who hung in there, the patient investors that hung in there during the first part of the year when there was nothing going on to be greatly rewarded for their effort. And um, let's talk about the actual numbers, and this is these numbers include dividends being reinvested. The S&P 500 gained 16%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average returned 19%, which is an all-time high. It's, a, it's currently at all-time high levels. The NASDAQ was up 10% for the year, but you have to remember the NASDAQ is still more than 50% below where it was in 2000. So that's still, um, you know, it has never fully recovered since what happened in 2000, 2001, 2002. That's what happened in the domestic stock markets. Um, what happened in currencies, the U.S. dollar was hammered in 2006 with really two heavy drops. One came around May and another in November. Um, 
these drops were attributed really to countries trying to spread out their foreign exchange holdings. They're doing no different than what you and I do. They were diversifying their holdings. Um, the euro was really the primary winner of, of this letdown of the dollar value. Um, the, the you know Japanese yen did well as well. If you look at commodities and natural resources, um, gold had a great run in 2006, hitting, hitting a peak of about $750 an ounce back in May. But um, it settled down by the end of the year right below $600. Um, a large part of this gain was attributed to inflationary concerns from the first part of 2006. Remember, we were still trying to figure out what was going on with the Fed. It also seemed like things were um, coming out of that hurricane season of 2005. It just seemed like everything, all natural resources, um, were getting to be more expensive, lumber, concrete, um, oil, gas, it didn't matter. It seemed like everything was going, the cost of everything was going up and up and up, and that you saw that in construction costs as well. Also within commodities, oil surged to nearly $80 a barrel when there was a lot, that big problem um, that went down with in Lebanon and between Lebanon and Israel over the um, kidnapped soldiers. So that was a, a big deal that caused the price of oil to go up to near $80 a barrel. But since that hot spot kind of settled down, oil has dropped down to below $55 a barrel. And we'll talk about what that means for you in 2007 as well. And then the big thing, and I already kind of hinted at this, the big also surprise for 2006 was the weather. You know, if you think about the weather, there were so many predictions from weather experts that there were going to be nine or more hurricanes, including at least five with roof-lifting winds of 111 to 130 miles per hour winds that they would batter both the Caribbean as well as the U.S. coastlines this fall. But, you know, and this, this data is coming from Fairweather Friends in July 10th, 2006, um, where some of these predictions were made. But if you go and look at actually what happened in 2006, the hurricane season pretty much was a, a dud. Um, there was It was one of the mildest of all times with really just five storms, and none of which really made landfall in the United States. So we have many blessings from that that nobody had the um, the challenges we had in 2005 um, with that hurricane season we had that. So really the weather was kind of very mundane and didn't cause any problems in 2006, and we've kind of seen that carry over with um, this mild winter that we're having so far at the end of 2006 as well as the start of 2007, unless you're out there in Colorado and some of those other areas. But, you know, if you look at what's going on over here on the East Coast, golf courses are open, it seems like, year-round now. I know um, it's it's not uncommon that, um, especially down here in the southeast, that it has been 70 degrees on most Saturdays and Sundays where you can go out there in short sleeve shirts and go play around the golf, which is just unbelievable when you think about we're in January. Um, so how can we take these things that I just mentioned to you, what can we learn from them and use in 2007? First, I want to give you a word of caution. I start to get nervous when you get the mainstream media meaning the evening news, the Today Show that you watch in the morning, when they start covering the stock market, it scares me a little bit. Um, it concerns me that you that you know when you start to attract the attention of the media, it's not a good indicator for the financial markets. You know when you've got the average investor being told how good the opportunities are out there in the in the marketplace, 
As many of you are aware, there are financial rewards for being a contrarian. You always need to be thinking about what you can do that is outside of what the masses are doing because that's where the opportunity lies. But um, the, there are rewards for being a contrarian and moving away from the actions of the masses. You do not want to do what everybody else is doing. Remember, typically, you want to be headed into the building when everybody else is held, he, headed for the exits, vice versa. When everybody's trying to get into an investment, you need to be start considering looking at the exits to make sure that you're not going to be left holding the bag um, if things get ugly in certain asset classes. And then let's also remember what the Oracle from Omaha, that's Mr. Warren Buffett himself, the new charitable Warren Buffett, as we learned in 2006, said back in his 2005 Berkshire Hathaway annual report, he said, investors should try to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy only when others are fearful. Let me read that to you one more time. Investors should try to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy only when others are fearful. Because remember, the stock market as well as the global marketplace, and this is all, most marketplaces out there, really, in the short term, are driven by emotions. There's that fear and greed. Fear is what causes you to sell at the wrong time, and that greed causes you to buy at the worst times. So you have to take into control your emotions and then always be looking for the opportunity to do the opposite of what the masses are doing. Now that I've kind of scared you with that I'm nervous because of the financial attention, I will tell you, I do think that... Um, there still is enough pessimism out there in the marketplace to not be overly concerned and still feel that there's an opportunity in 2007. Let's talk about the good things we've got still going into 2007. First, tax rates still do remain low. Monetary policy is not too tight, meaning that they, you know we you can still get a loan pretty easily at the bank if you've got a growing business or um, if you're trying to buy a house. Even though they have tightened up from where they were at the heyday, it's still not too hard to get money. Valuations of U.S. companies are not at unreasonable levels. We're not at where we were back in 2000 with this, you know, these crazy price-to-earnings ratios and so forth. Corporate balance sheets are in their best shape in more than 50 years. And GDP growth, which is a good indicator of the economy, of the United States at least, has, um, should continue to be healthy in 2007. So all these things add up to and make 2007 a year that could get your um, – you know that you can make a decent rate of return. I think if you if you do the right type of asset allocation, and that leads me to my next statement. 2007 is the year that you can really get your financial life in order. I know we all make financial you know year end resolutions to get healthier and to start exercising and do all kind of other things, but you can also look at it as a, as a new beginning for your financial life. It's a good time. You'd be surprised at how many people I talk to that don't have wills, especially if you have children. You've got to have wills because we all know, I know I have, we all have relatives that we just don't know how well of a job they would do taking care of the kids, and we don't want the state telling who would take care of our kids. So you want to make sure you have a will that, that makes your wishes known as to what you should do. You should also con consider 2007 the year that you can uh, make sure that your life insurance is ordered. These in order in the fact and remember I don't sell life insurance I'm not an insurance agent or anything like that but I do think insurance can be used as a tool to make sure that you can replace income if you if you're the breadwinner or you're um you're at least the support breadwinner meaning that your your income still would be greatly missed and mortgages would be it'd be hard to pay mortgages be hard to pay education costs be hard to pay for food and clothing for your family 
then you need life insurance to replace some of your income. And you can go out and buy some term insurance and really cover that. And we'll cover this in some in greater detail in some few upcoming future financial chaos topics. But this is the year that you can think about these things. The last thing you can think about after you get your wills and get these life insurance issues taken care of is then start thinking about your investment portfolio. Are you taking advantage of, are you diversifying your investments and making sure you're maxing out your retirement accounts to to just ensure that when you retire that you're going to have money? Because as you know, I've gone on too many rants in 2006 about how Social Security is a joke and you can't count on the government. So make sure you have your financial house in order so that you can take advantage of these things. Let's, um, you know, since I am kind of a nerdy accountant, let's get into the numbers a little bit. When you look at um, the, oper- the the numbers of what I just explained to you about what happened with the dollar dropping, the opportunities being in international equities and so forth, you'll see that really I think in the, that where I think that um, you're going to see some opportunities in 2007 is in the multinational corporations. These are the big boys. These are the guys that are household names that have not just operations in the United States but also opera- operations throughout the world. And according to Barron's, the publication Barron's, the following companies could take advantage of the dollar's 10% value de- decrease and the slowing U- U.S. economy coming in the future years with their foreign operations. And let me give you an example of some of these companies that have their revenue coming from outside the United States. Intel receives 85% of its revenue from outside the United States. Most people don't realize that. Also, Coca-Cola has 71% coming from outside. McDonald's, 66%. IBM, 62%. ExxonMobil has 69% coming from outside sources of the United States. So you can see the world is truly becoming a global marketplace, and you can get a lot more, you know, a lot of these companies are not just the United States anymore. They're global and worldwide, and they give you an opportunity to diversify just outside the states and take advantage of the following dollar. Because remember... When the dollar value falls, if your assets are elsewhere in, the, in Europe and throughout the world, when the dollar goes down, those values on their, their U.S. balance sheets actually go up because they've gone up in value because of the lower value of the dollar. It costs more, more dollars to buy that same asset. So there are some opportunities there. Also remember that I'm not a big fan of picking individual stocks. I think the average long-term investor would be much better served by buying a large cap index fund and exchange-traded funds because they have lower risk through greater diversification and they have and they provide you dirt cheap access to a whole portfolio of investments. So just because I gave you details of all these multinational corporations, don't think that I'm telling you to go buy those individual stocks. I think you'd be better served buying those index funds and those exchange-traded funds. So let's do this. Let's talk about some quick and dirty 2007 predictions. And this gives you guys the opportunity that if I'm wrong, um, you know, we can review my errors and, and poke fun at me. But if I'm right, I can brag for a whole other year about my pontificating skills and how I was right about all these predictions. So let's jump right in and let's make some predictions for 2007. Domestic equity. I do think domestic equity stocks, that's U.S. companies, will do well in 2007. Now, I don't think you're going to see 16% rates of returns or, or anything like that, but I do think you can see 
a healthy rate of return of maybe somewhere between 7 to 10%. Um, and when you think about domestic equity U.S. stocks, you want to focus towards the large cap stocks because they're better valued than their small cap friends. Now, remember, their small cap stocks do very well when you come right out of a recession or a market recovery because they're like the speedboats. They can take advantage of all the new tax laws um, and all the incentives that the government's trying to do to spark growth in the economy. Large companies are kind of like the big tugboat in the harbor. They take a little bit longer to turn around, but once they get moving, you know, they, they really they can weather a lot more of the storms and everything else in those little speedboats within the harbor can. So you want to consider loading up if you're when you're looking at your domestic equity side, you want to look at the large cap as being the healthier choice than small company stocks in two thousand seven. International equity already told you because of the value drop in the, of the dollar and um, that there is some opportunity there. The decline of the dollar provides some momentum for international stocks. And not, let's not forget there's one big driving factor that has been why there's still so much opportunity international. And that big driving factor is the um, economic globalization and also the high skill slash low wage factor that many areas like if you think about Asia, South America, provide to the world economy. This is why you see so many companies going to Asia, India, and um, you know all the a lot of the Asian continent to provide for their labor needs is because there is a high skill level there, and still their wages are so much lower than what they are here in the states. And um, that's why you've seen a lot of these jobs go over to that area is because companies recognize that there's a lot of ways they can make profit off of that. Um, Void of an American recession, international holdings should do well, but please do recognize that there is a great deal of risk buying into international um, investments. It's that whole risk versus reward. You know, the more risk you take, there is a reward that you're anticipating, but remember, risk does have cost as well. You could hit things at a bad time, but I do see opportunity in international funds. Here's the one that I'm not so sure about. Debt securities, meaning bonds. The Fed has raised interest rates 17 consecutive times because they're trying to control the core inflation rate. We're hoping, and this is what I hope, is that we're going to see inflation moderate to the desired, I think the Fed's trying to keep it between 1% to 2% core level. If this happens, I think we could expect the Fed to start dropping and reversing those increases. But there's been some things coming out in the economy that make me wonder if this is um, going to happen. And we'll, you ask yourself before I get into this sidebar, why do we care if the Fed starts lowering rates? Well, remember, if you own, if you're, if you're a bond investor, if you own existing bonds that were issued at a higher rate, once they start dropping those interest rates, you make your, your bonds actually appreciate, just like stocks appreciate, they actually go up in value if interest rates do start to drop. So that's why you're interested to know if the Fed starts dropping interest rates. But the thing that concerns me, there are a few things. If you talk, start talking about um, employment numbers have been better than expected, and also employment wage numbers have been growing better than anticipated as well. And these things can cause some inflationary concern. And then you have to, you know that, that we've had a change at the, um, of the Congress of the United States, both at the House and the Senate levels, and there's been talk of there's going to be a new minimum wage bill. 
these things, raising the minimum wage, also can cause inflationary pressures because you think about it, even though you're increasing minimum wage, really that, what that's going to do is cause most employers to have to increase um, their wages for their other employees, plus you're going to have to have a lot of your goods going to go up in value because it does cause some inflationary pressure. So know that these things do not bode well for some of this, and that's what concerns me is because if if you do get into inflation and we don't get the Fed to drop interest rates a little bit, we kind of lose the Goldilocks type of marketplace that we want to stay in. And what do I mean when I say the Goldilocks marketplace? What I mean by that is, is that the perfect type of market for making money in investments is the Goldilocks marketplace where it's not too hot but not too cold. And what you want there is you want that nice optimistic feeling from your investors that there's still opportunity, there's growth opportunity out there, but you don't want the feeling that it's overheating because of either inflation inflation out there um, or because of this irrational exuberance that we had back earlier. So you want to keep things, as I mentioned, not so hot but not so cold, just right. And that's what I say when I say the Goldilocks type of marketplace. And if we start to see inflation peek its head out, it not only will impact bonds, but you'll see it impact domestic equity, international equity, and everything else I've talked about here. So um, that's the only thing that I'm really nervous about besides, obviously, the outside things like terrorism. And, um, you, you know, you never can worry. Those world events, you just you, you can prepare for them, but you just don't know. And we just have to look at the market from an analytical standpoint and make a prediction. When you talk about where I'm also looking for opportunity is hedge funds. Hedge funds make money by using the inefficiencies of the investment marketplace. Their returns have been kind of positive the last few years, but they still have trailed the broad marketplace. And that's okay because that's to be expected because hedge funds have the added flexibility of making money not only when stock markets go up, but they can sell investments that they believe um, are not valued properly and make money when the stock market goes down as well. Um, because there is some risk of the economy will slow down or have some volatility, I'm going to use hedge funds this year for my clients' portfolios, just like their name implies, to kind of hedge my bets to protect me in case the economy does slow down and we're wrong about some of these other predictions. Real estate. Valuations on real estate, especially REITs, are still sky high. I've been calling for a pullback on this asset class for the last two years, and yet somehow they can still continue to outperform. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make another call, even though it's fallen on deaf ears for the last you know, two, three years on the values of, of, of real estate. I'm going to make another call that um need to be careful with investing in REITs in 2007. Their historic valuations are at all, all-time high prices right now. I'd be um, very apprehensive about it where I have been putting a little bit of money, and I say a little, I mean just the tenths, uh, a tiny little bit is um, in some of the international real estate. Commodities. I think the recent drop in oil probably in the prices of barrels of oil is probably short-lived. There's just too many volatile things going on in the world marketplace that, you know, that I don't think prices can stay settled. Oil demand will also be up in 2007 and supply could be tighter. I mean, let's face it, where do we get oil from? We get it from the Middle East, which is controlled by OPEC. You also have Venezuela, which is not a big friend of the states. And then if you've seen in the press recently, Russia has been um, is a big producer, has been um, 
kind of cutting off the supply to, to Europe a little bit. So there are some things to be concerned about with the supply of um, oil out there that could impact the price. And we are trading below right around 55 to right below $55 a barrel for for a barrel of oil. And I think there's some opportunity there. But um, you do need to be careful when I say there's opportunity. Don't go bet the farm, house, or anything else because this, vol this asset class is super volatile. And that's probably... A good time for me to tell you, you know, I'm going to go into to diversification and asset allocation with the next financial chaos topic and kind of help you know how to do some allocations with your portfolio, why you need to consider, you know, uh, the domestic equity funds as your core anchor, especially the large cap side. Um, but we'll get into that next financial chaos topic. But I do want to thank you so much for making 2006 just a tremendous year for me. As always, please go to our website money-guy.com. You can subscribe to our newsletter that's coming that um, you know comes and updates to you to your email directly as soon as we do a new show, and um, you can check out some of this um, you know this exercise stuff that I talked about to help you keep your your resolution to get healthier and make 2007 the year that you really do everything you want to on your financial life as well as your maybe your personal life with getting in shape. So until the next financial chaos topic. May God bless you with good health, wealth, family, and friends. This is Brian. I'll talk to you in another week or two.